Alright, brothers and sisters, would you take your Bible and turn to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament, chapter number 27. While you're turning there, I was just thinking a little bit before the service, I was talking with some folks here in the back, and sometimes sometimes I tell stories, sometimes they're true, sometimes they're not, I like to play around, but somebody asked me in the back, now is that a true story? But it reminded me of a time in 1998, I was in um, Costa Rica and Panama uh, with some friends of mine, and we were preaching and doing evangelism and that sort of thing. And um, when I was in, uh, I think about the only constellation that I remember out of fifth or sixth grade science was the constellation of Orion. Now, I don't know if you all know Big Dipper, Little Dipper, and all the rest of them. I can't see them in the night sky, but I can point out Orion. That's the only one I remember from fifth or sixth grade science. And so I remember uh, I would pray, uh, especially when I was in high school, I would just walk at night down these city blocks and uh, I would look up at the sky and I would see Orion and uh, just kind of pour my heart out to the Lord. And I remember uh, looking at that constellation and, and uh, thinking about how special and beautiful it was. But I remember in 1998, it was the first time I'd ever actually been overseas, been somewhere other than where I grew up. And uh, so I was uh, had been in Costa Rica, and uh, I had an opportunity to preach on an Easter Sunday service, and I was way too young for them to have let me preach that Easter service. It was a debacle of a sermon. I mean, it was absolutely terrible. And uh, it was so bad that the pastor of the church was so gracious that he let me preach the sermon, and then he got up and preached a sermon after me. And... Um, you know, I remember how I kind of dejected and low I felt and I thought, oh my goodness, you know, I just, I ruined this. And so we left, uh, we left Costa Rica and got to Panama and 1998 was the last year that we actually had, uh, uh, possession of the, um, Panama Canal and we had a military base there. And, uh, lo and behold, uh, an opportunity came up and I was asked if I would preach, uh, to the, uh, military people who were stationed there at that base. And uh, so that was going to take place on the following night. And I remember just thinking, oh God, I am going to bomb again. I, what am I going to say? I don't know how to preach. This is terrible. And so uh, I was in Panama and I was walking at nighttime near where we were staying. And I remember looking up in the sky and I saw the constellation Orion. And I realized that no matter who you are or where you are or what status of life you are, there are some things in life that you can just look up and no matter who you are, it is kind of a, uh, it is the same everywhere. And I think for human beings, there is one event in all human history that is similar to that and it would be what we are celebrating and uh, observing this evening and then this coming Sunday as well. And that is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And uh, any person that turns from their sins puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection can have eternal life. And so, no matter where you are in the world, the same way you can look up and see a constellation, doesn't matter who you are, no matter where you are and what your background, you can look to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and know that He died for you and that He loves you. When we make our way to Matthew chapter number 27, I'm just going to read a large portion of Scripture for you and make a couple of comments 
on the way down, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper in a few minutes. But I want you to notice with me, if you would, all of the various kinds of people that are surrounding the cross of the Lord Jesus. This is a very crowded place, and in fact, if we had time tonight, and we don't, we could walk through all four of the Gospels and see many more people than this. But just look with me, if you will. First of all, from verse 27 to verse number 32, you're going to find that there are politicians and soldiers around the cross. Then the soldiers, the governor, took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around Him. They stripped Him and put a scarlet robe on Him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on His head and a reed in His right hand. And they knelt down before Him and mocked Him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spat on him and took a reed and began to beat him on the head. And after they had mocked him and they took the scarlet robe off of him and put his own garments back on him and led him away to be crucified as they were coming out, they found a man of Cyrene named Simeon whom they pressed into the service to bear his cross. Can I just pause for a moment and say that around the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are always politicians uh, maybe I, maybe in this room tonight, you say, we don't have any politicians here, but maybe I should say it better like this. There are always people who are manipulative. There are always people who are seeking to uh, twist things and find their own way, make life a little better for themselves, and that's exactly what was going on in this passage both Pilate and Caiaphas and all of these leadership, nobody wanted to do what was right. Jesus had never sinned. Jesus had never harmed anybody. Jesus never did anything wrong. He was the perfect Lamb of God. But because He was threatening to their society and their leadership and their status and the uh, kind of status quo of their life, they wanted to crucify Him. And you know, there's people like that as well too. They would rather see Jesus crucified than to be the king of our own life because to make Jesus king of my life would mean that I would have to take myself off of the throne. In order for Jesus to be the king of your life, that means you would have to bow in abject humility toward Him and come to Him as a humble sinner and say, Lord Jesus, You be the king. You reign over me. But instead, we find ourselves often manipulating situations. Did you notice all that happens there? They make this crown of thorns, these long, maybe inch and a half Palestinian thorns. They twist them together and smash them down on His brow. Can you imagine the blood? gushing. And then they take that reed and they beat him over the head and drive those thorns into his brow. His back had already been laid open with a cat of nine tails and they take this robe and put it on him and the blood coagulates and dries on the back. And what do they do? They spit into the face of the Son of the living God. Will you just think with me for a moment about that? You know what the book of Acts says? The book of Acts says that they put to death the prince of life. Isn't that irony to the fullest? The only one who could give life everlasting and they wanted to put him to death. There are manipulative people at the cross. But I would say to you this evening, even if you find yourself in that position where you manipulate all of life and religion to avoid Christ being the King of your life, Jesus still dies for you. Look with me if you would a little bit further. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, 
They gave him wine to drink mixed with gall, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots, and sitting down, they began to keep watch over him. And above his head, they put up the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And watch here this next group of people. At the, uh, at that time, two robbers were crucified with Him, one on the right hand and one on the left, and those passing by were hurling abuse at Him and wagging their head and saying, you are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself if you are the Son of God. Come down from there. You know, around the cross, there's not only manipulative people, but there are social failures. There are people who are just bad people. Unless this Friday, Good Friday crowd of good, hearty church believers, most of us in here, we're going to be back on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection. Lest anybody leave here tonight and say, that's right, there's a bunch of punks and social failures at the cross. That's what you are. That's what I am. Oh, sure. You might have grown up in church and You might have been very religious and nobody would dare compare you to Adolf Hitler, but I would say that the Bible says this, that we are the enemy of God. Isn't that harsh? In my soul, every time I deny Christ, every time I sin against Him, every time I go my way rather than His way, I am in essence spitting into the face of God and I am saying to Jesus, if you're the Son of God, why don't you come down off of that cross? You said that you had raised this temple up again in three days. Who are you? And isn't it crazy? Do you see the irony? These guys are hanging on a cross because they can't even make it in life themselves. They can't even live a good life. They can't even keep themselves out of the discipline of the cross. And maybe on this Good Friday, there'll be somebody in this room tonight. I hope every human being in here tonight deep in your soul, you'd say, you know what? As much as I want to say no, I'm a social failure too. I've blown relationships. I've hurt people. I've said things that I shouldn't have said. I've thought things that I shouldn't have thought. And if everybody in this room had a moment to unlock the key of the closet of my life and let the skeletons fall onto the floor, I'd be embarrassed beyond belief. Can I tell you, dear brother or sister, if you don't think that way tonight, you need humility. And you need a good dose of repentance. When you get to the cross you find that there's mean and bad people and we be one. (laughs) All my English teachers said that's terrible, but it makes good theology. All of us are bad people. You've probably heard me preach on a Sunday morning before and say, the only people that ever make it to heaven are bad people. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I came not for those who were whole, but I came for sick people Are you a sick person? Are you a bad person? Then recognize that at the cross, Jesus was dying for social failures and manipulators.
Read with me a little further. Verse 41 picks up another one, but I'll read on. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and the elders, were mocking Him, saying, He saved others. Himself He cannot save. He is the King of Israel. Let Him now come down from the cross, and we will believe in Him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue Him now. And if He delights in Him, for He said, I am the Son of God, the robbers who had been crucified with Him were insulting Him with the same words. For sake of time tonight, can I just move quickly and say from verse 41, at the cross there are religious people. God help us from religious people. Aren't you sick and tired of people who elevate a religion above Jesus Christ? Now listen, I don't down on the word religion because it has its appropriate use and we are a part of the Christian religion. But Jesus basically told these chief priests and scribes and Pharisees, He said, you take the traditions of men and you elevate them above the Word of God and therefore you make the Word of God of none effect in people's lives because you're holding them to something that only Christ can fulfill. And in Christ, all of the law and all of the demands of the law are met. And these religious people stand mocking Jesus and saying, if you come down, if you do this, if you do that, then I'll believe. My dear friends, I want you to understand this evening that no matter what kind of person you are and how clean you think you are and how much religion and how many churches you've been a part of and how many times you've been baptized and all of the things that you've done, all of the religious deeds in the world, They'll never do the trick. But if the truth be known, there are even believing people who slip back into a pharisaical point of view where we somehow feel like our own effort and our own deeds are good enough and the Bible teaches that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Who's at the cross? Religious people. Who did Jesus die for? Messed up, twisted up people. Oh my goodness. I, I did a funeral recently. Not here. And it was the most clarifying moment. The people I was doing a funeral for, uh, were most of them were heroin addicts. And, uh, you could smell, you could smell the drugs when they walked in. Terrible situation. Absolutely. In fact, as I was speaking the gospel, there were people getting up and leaving because they were God haters. And there were two men that were a part of the religious group that were helping to you know, kind of facilitate all of this. And as I was standing there before everything began, they both of the men were coming up to me, and you know what they kept saying? Can you believe the way these people are dressed? How dare they come into a place like this? Can you smell that? That's a bum. That's what's this world coming to? Do you see that? In a moment, two groups of people at the cross. Social failures. Religious, pharisaical people that feel like they're better than everybody. And who stands on the cross dying for everyone? Jesus. Well, look at verse 54 and we'll bring this time to a close. 
What a beautiful way kind of in this. Now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening became very frightened and said, truly this was the Son of God. On this Good Friday night, I just simply want to ask you, with all of the milieu of people that are, were standing at the cross then and are standing at the cross in this room tonight and all around the world, what will you do with Jesus? Will you say, truly, this is the Son of God and bow your heart and trust Him and follow Him out of gratitude all the days of your life? Or will you have another response? I say this in a room like this knowing there are a few here that may be lost. But I also say this knowing that there are good believers in this room. And from time to time, you find yourself slipping into other areas of life and not responding to Jesus with the humility of this thought. You are the Son of God. I will believe on You. I will receive You. And I will live for You every day from gratitude. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment? I'm going to ask our deacons, they're going to come and come to these stations. And I'm going to have a word of prayer for us and then I'll have a stand and give some direction as to how we're going to do the Lord's Supper this evening. But would you just take a moment and pray? Ask the Lord to make your heart right as you walk through this extraordinary weekend. Jesus died today. Tomorrow is silence in the tomb. And early on the third day, the Lord Jesus rose from the grave so that men and women and boys and girls from all walks of life could look to one point, not a constellation that they forget about in fifth grade, but a cross that stands on a hill in the center of time and history, calling for every human being to believe on Him. Maybe you just make that new and fresh in your life right now. Our Father, we love You. I pray that You bless Your people this evening. I pray that if there's somebody here tonight that does not know You as Lord and Savior, that they would understand the simple truth that Jesus is the Son of God come into the world to die for sinners and raised on the third day. And for any human being that puts their faith and confidence in Jesus Christ, they can have eternal life. I pray for believers in this room that our hearts would look to the cross and be fixed there, not only this weekend, but every day of our life. For You said that we must lay down our lives, pick up our cross, and follow You. And we will love You and thank You for it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And You are good. You're good to us because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
Now, Lord, if we think about that for a moment, that means that every person in this room at some point today, most likely, most likely, unless there's somebody great in here, there was some sin in our life somewhere today. It could have been a bad word to a spouse. It could have been frustration. It could have been anger on the road. Uh, Lord, what we say, what we do, where we go, what we think. And if we were to understand the Scripture that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, that means that in the very moment of our sinfulness, a couple of thousand years ago, Christ was dying for that. To atone the penalty and the judgment for that so that we might have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I do not know of a greater thought than the atoning work of Christ on the cross and His resurrection. I pray as we leave here this evening that we would rejoice that our sins are washed away by the blood of the Lamb. And this is true because Jesus rose again on Sunday. Help us to come this Sunday in resurrection power. Save the lost. Encourage the believer. And unify your church. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.